BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So Kevin McCarthy was down on the southern border and uh, he and a number of other Republican members of Congress were just eager to get in front of the cameras. I saw a couple of them on CNN and talk about how, you know, the uh, ICE officials down here are telling us that there's terrorists. Uh, Some person named Sri Lanka is sending them in. Yes. And uh, it's like, and we've got a crisis here. It's, it's, It's terrible. It's terrible. Now, when Joe Biden became elected, I'm talking about back in November, when the election was declared for Joe Biden, the few Republicans who actually acknowledged that he was going to be the president immediately started attacking him. And one of their main attacks, given that, you know, basically all the Republicans have these days to sell is racism and grievance, was that uh, Biden is going to let brown people from south of the border come to America and, uh, you know, uh, uh, break into your house, uh, rape your daughters, and steal your jobs. All right, this, I mean, this, this, is, this is how Trump kicked off his election campaign in 2016. It was the meme he was running in 2020. And then when Biden won, it was Biden is going to open, you know, with open arms. He's going to open the border. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I occasionally dip into right-wing hate radio just to hear what, you know, they're up to during the day and drop by Fox News. And I can't tell you how many times I have heard just casual references to Joe Biden's open border policy. Well, A, Joe Biden never opened the border. In fact, the border is just as closed as it was, you know, a while ago. You do have people who are crossing the border illegally, but, you know, basically our borders are closed largely because of COVID. There's very little traffic, you know, outside of commercial traffic going, going, going across our border. Our Canadian border is sealed by the Canadians and our Southern border is sealed by us as a public health measure. So number one, there's not a new crisis. There has been a crisis building of people who qualify for refugee status in the United States who are fleeing, you know, serious problems in their home states, in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, problems that were caused in large part by Ronald Reagan going in there in the 80s and disrupting so-called socialist governments. They wanted to give everybody health care and free education. It's not what you and I would call socialism, but, you know, I I saw some bozo on on TV yesterday was uh, interviewing Bernie Sanders I think it might have been Jake Tapper, and he was like, you call yourself a socialist, you're a socialist, what do you think about, you know, and Bernie doesn't call himself a socialist, he calls himself a democratic socialist, but, but you know, anyhow, uh, even Bernie is not saying that the government should be making our cars or our blue jeans, you know, let's just have a decent social safety net, that, you know, if you call that socialism, okay, but, but they, you know, Reagan went down and basically took down three governments, and in El Salvador, replaced it with, uh, you know, an, an overt death squad government and damaged badly the governments in Honduras and Nicaragua. And now you've got climate change and making it harder and harder for subsistence farmers down there. And so we've got, you know, refugees on our border. Surprise, surprise. But there's also this problem, and I think it's even the bigger problem, is what the Republicans are up to. I mean, the main driver of immigrants and refugees, frankly, I believe right now is the Republican Party itself. I mean, if you're living in poverty in Guatemala or in Mexico or in Honduras or El Salvador, and you're hearing on the media 
senior Republican officials who should know. You know, Kevin McCarthy, the, the, the House Minority Leader, or Steve David Duke without the baggage, Scalise, the number two Republican in the U.S. House, you know, on camera in front of a microphone saying, yeah, boy, Joe Biden has opened the borders. He's got this open border policy. Or you hear, you know, Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity or one of these other guys repeating it over and over that phrase. And you're one of those folks down there and you're thinking, boy, if I could get into the United States and get a good job, I could, you know, I could send money back home. I could lift my family out of poverty. I'm not even talking about refugees here. You know, if it was you or me, I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but I can say for myself, if I was in that situation and I heard that that was happening, if somebody said, hey, Norway has opened their borders to people who don't speak Norwegian. If you have a Norwegian relative, you can come to Norway. And of course, you know, my father was 100% Norwegian. And my grandfather and grandmother were Norwegian immigrants into the United States. So I'd be there in a heartbeat if some Norwegian politician went on TV and said that. Wouldn't you? So you've got these Republicans telling people in South and Central America and Mexico, which I guess is part of Central America, or maybe it's North America, I'm not sure, but where, where one begins and the other ends. But in any case, you've got, you've got Republican politicians literally telling people that Joe Biden has opened the border. And then they act shocked, shocked, I tell you, and Fox News as well, when people start heading toward the border. They are trying to sabotage Joe Biden, and they're creating this giant uh, publicity event. I wrote about this day over at HartmanReport.com, and, and in that article, I've got all the links to when these various things happened, and who said what, and who did what. And this is an old scam. No Democrat is in favor of opening any borders if that means like, hey, we're going to become like the European Union and you can just live anywhere you want and you can work anywhere you want. Uh, no, nobody is suggesting that to the best of my knowledge. There may be one or two Democrats out there who have said things like that. They are outliers. But to the best of my knowledge, there are none. Because everybody understands you don't have a country if you don't have borders and if you don't enforce those borders. But the Republicans are telling these lies, and it's, it's encouraging desperate, poor, ambitious people to come north. And, of course, you know, increasing the flow of refugees as well. I lived and worked in Germany for a year. I worked in Australia. In both cases, I had to get work permits to come to those countries. In both cases, it was my employers who did most of the work to get the work permits. Why? Because they didn't want to go to jail. Pretty much every other country enforces their borders, in quotes. Keep in mind, the biggest problem that we have with people who are in the United States illegally is not people who cross the, the Rio Grande. It's people who came in as tourists and never left. And other countries deal with that by simply saying, if you hire somebody who's not a citizen, you go to jail. Not the immigrant, you the employer. But back in 1986, when Reagan reformed our immigration policies, well, this is from the Washington Post, a piece by Brad Plummer, quote, the bill's sponsors ended up watering down the sanctions on employers to attract support from the business community. The end result was that they essentially gutted the employer sanctions. So starting in 86, we no longer were going after employers. So we created this whole huge infrastructure, ICE and all this other stuff, just to go after brown-skinned people who are looking for a better life whether it's out of desperation or out of optimism. And as a result, well, look at the meatpacking industry or the construction industry, the ones that I, I mentioned in my post over at HartmanReport.com. They used to be two of the most heavily unionized industries in the United States. I mean, it's hard work, right? But you could make 40 bucks an hour. You had a pension. You had a union. You could buy a car. You had health insurance. It was a ticket into the middle class. And then this legislation came along and Reagan stopped enforcing the law and suddenly both industries have lost all their unions or, or many of their unions. I realize there's still some good construction trade unions out there. But meatpacking, no, it's been wiped out. And you start at what, 10 bucks an hour instead of 40? The Republicans love this, right? Their big donors get cheap labor. They get to villainize brown people, you know, with their racist stuff. 
We need comprehensive immigration reform, and we need it now. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Also, we just saw these murders down in uh, Atlanta, these uh, massage parlor murders. It looks like this is an incel problem. I'll tell you about that after the break. Welcome back. I wanted to talk about incels for a moment. I, this is very troubling to me. This uh, young man, a very young man, you know, uh, just a, a year or two out of high school, uh, the, apparently the son of a pastor who told the police that he killed these eight women, and we know at least six of them are Asian women. These were uh, Asian-themed massage parlors. He killed them because they represented temptation to him. Now, you know, I get it. There's some strange stuff in the Bible. You know, there's this one point where Jesus said, if, you know, if your right eye offends thee, pluck it out. And there actually throughout history have been people who blinded themselves because they couldn't deal with lust or, or whatever, or they thought it would make them uh, religious or bring them closer to Jesus. But these involuntary celibates, these incels, you know, who are just all scrambled up about sex, this is something we've got to get a handle on. You know, we've, there has to be some way of addressing this. I frankly confess, I don't have an easy solution other than, you know, dialing back a little bit on the hysteria. I mean, these kids who, who go to religious schools and the only sex education they ever get is, you know, sex is evil, resist the urge, don't masturbate, don't look at porn, don't, don't think about it. And, of course, the hormones are raging and, and so they're, they're setting up these insane internal psychological battles rather than simply acknowledging it. It's really interesting. Louise and I have been binge-watching Cagney and Lacey, the old TV show from the 80s about these two women who are cops. I mentioned it yesterday. And in the episode that we watched last night, in fact, just by coincidence, mom, Detective Lacey, finds in her 14 or 15-year-old son's, under his bed, finds some Playboys. And she gets all freaked out. And her husband is like, this is a normal developmental stage. Chill out. And they go through back and forth on this through half the show. And in the meantime, of course, she's solving some sort of horrible sex crime along with her partner, Cagney. And then at the end, she sits her son down because they've now in the middle of the show, they've discovered the two of them making out on the couch. And she's finally getting it that, you know, he's getting to first base. And so she sits him down at the couch and says, you know, you have to be respectful of women. You have to listen carefully to what they have to say. And when the day comes, and I hope it's not soon, but when the day comes, you have to use birth control that will protect her from becoming pregnant and will protect you from getting a disease. And, you know, after all the opposition that she had had to her husband, Harvey, you know, to his, oh, it's, you know, boys will be boys kind of stuff. And it was just, it was a brilliant show. And this was like in 1986. But there are still parents who are teaching their children, you know, to, to hate and fear their own sexuality. And, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, every kid should be going out there uh, hopping into bed and stuff like that. But there, there is something wrong. And I think that this is a symptom of a deep problem within our culture, not just this one kid. I mean, there have been 44 deaths in the last six years, this is from the Wikipedia page on incels, 44 deaths have been committed since 2014 by men who have self-identified as incels or mentioned incel-related names and writings in their private writings or internet postings. Now, we don't know yet if he went after these particular women because they were Asian. It looks like it's not probably a hate crime. It's just a, a, at least a racial hate crime. It is a gender hate crime, which raises the question, which is why is it that attacks on women are not classified as hate crimes? Now, I get it. Women are a little more than 50% of our population, so technically they're not a minority. But the, given the power and wealth that women have been deprived of all these centuries, millennia, generally we consider women a minority category. We can't even get the damn Equal Rights Amendment passed. You've got a judge blocking it right now. It finally passed the last state. They're going to try again in Congress. 
you know, the Violence Against Women Act needs to be reauthorized, and the Republicans are fighting that. But this strikes me as a societal crisis. And frankly, I think that Trump has been driving this. Trump bragging about grabbing women by the crotch. Remember that? I mean, oh, yeah, when you're famous, they let you do it. And it's like, you know, teenage boys across America going, oh, really? And then all these women coming forward and saying, you know, yeah, he tried to rape me or he did rape me is what E. Jean Carroll was saying. She's got the, the dress with the stain on it. And all the Trump apologists are like, oh, no, no, no. And Trump is like, no, no, she was too ugly. Right? Not my type. As if she, if she was his type, he would rape her. I mean, these are our role models now. Ken in Marburg, West Virginia. Hey, Ken, what's on your mind? I don't know. I tend to do, I'm going to disagree with you until the investigation is quite over because, you know, if he was, you know, sex driven and this had to do with him, why didn't he stop at any strip clubs? Because I'm sure there were strip clubs within an hour and a half of the three spots. Well, what chose. the police officer that I saw on television, the guy who was the spokesperson for, I believe, the Georgia State Patrol, what he said, and I watched it live on television, is he said, we interviewed this young man. And he said that these places and these women in these places represented temptation to him, and he was killing them to eliminate the temptation. But just the massage parlors, not the strip clubs? I mean, That's what, right. The well, clubs? there are some massage parlors that will kind of go over the edge a little bit. You know, they'll, they'll oh, touch I, parts I, I, of your body that other massage parlors won't. But his point, what the kid himself said, was that he was killing these women because they represented sexual temptation for him, according to the police on national television. Yeah. I just, you know, due to my own, I was military police officer, so I'd done my own investigations and things, and it just seemed kind of weird that he drove an hour and a half to this one spot and then killed two other across the street. And in between there, yeah. I don't see any strip clubs that wouldn't provide, and these women providing another temptation, right? Well, I can't um, speak authoritatively. I haven't spent an enormous amount of time in strip clubs or massage parlors. Although (laughs) my my writing partner, uh, Lamar, his wife worked in a strip club. And so, you know, we used to have lunch there from time to time. This is back in the 80s in Atlanta. And it was actually a fairly tame place. But, you know, that's about my limit of experience on this. (laughs) But, but But I don't think that you can get sex in a strip club. And I do think it is possible to get sex in some massage parlors. And I think that that's that's probably what this kid was all about. But, but I, you know, I'm, okay. I, you know, we're, we're probably beating this topic to death. So yeah. Um, yeah, anyhow, true. thank you. Thank what you very much for the call, Ken. Good to hear from you. Scotty in Seattle. Hey, Scotty, your thoughts on, on the news of the day. What's up? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I uh, was listening to you explain how the refugees from the South are believing there's an opportunity now and they get to border and they get arrested. And it reminded me of a tour. I was in Portland at this old tavern where there's a tour. They take you downstairs and they tell you a story that back in the day, they'd uh, get somebody real drunk, take him down to the basement, tie him up. Next thing you know, he's working on a ship. He's been Shanghai. He's been conscripted. Oh, yeah. I've heard those stories about those places here in Portland. Yes. Well, well, I have a feeling there's a conspiracy about... This, are these people going to wind up working in meatpacking houses? Well, that, I thought that was, you know, long ago and far away. But but you're right. There is people smuggling going on and people are being brought into this country illegally, specifically to work in some cases. And, and probably, uh, you know, it's, uh, this is... You know, one of the things that we learned back when the meatpacking places were, were melting down was that while many of their workers who were immigrants were here with green cards, there were a fair number who weren't, too. So it's a tough one. Scotty, thank you for the call. Tammy in uh, Laurenburg, North Carolina. Am I saying that right, Tammy? Yes. I am part of the Lumbee tribe in North Carolina. We were up for federal recognition, and Pelosi was the only one that turned it down. I, really? Yeah. We're the biggest Lumbee tribe. We're the biggest tribe. I went to Washington on January 6th because I was upset about it. <laughs> That's the reason I went. Other tribes have gotten their recognition, and we've been fighting for ours for a long time. When I lived in Vermont, I know the Abenaki, who have been there for 10,000 years, 
were fighting for recognition, and the uh, judge turned them down, saying that they had all been, the entire tribe had been eliminated in the 1920s when there was this mass sterilization program of Native American women. And he stood there, it was amazing, he, he had uh, half a dozen or a dozen Abenakis in the room, right, in his courtroom, and he ruled that the Abenaki no longer existed in Vermont. That was 20 years ago. I don't know what's the status of the Abenaki in Vermont since then. I think they may have been granted tribal recognition. I don't know about your tribe, Tammy, but I am supportive of those principles, you know, and I hope you can make it happen. Tammy, thank you for the call. Michael in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey, Michael, what's up? The conservative media outlets, the new ones that are coming up, Newsmax and One American News, are completely disinformation, completely biased. We see that with Fox News, too. And those two networks, you know, didn't exist you know, uh, when Obama was around, they seem to have just flourished, mm-hmm. calling in Trump to, you know, come over our side and we'll we'll give you your platform that you are losing or you lost with Twitter and being president. He's kind of backed right. out of the picture now. But we have these conservative radios been around a long time, but these conservative uh, TV shows are not news. They're just you know, bashing everything the Democrats do and certainly not um, supporting anything the Republicans are doing. That seems to be well, and, and they're now. supporting uh, conspiracy theories that uh, you know we learned from the intelligence report are actually being promoted by Russian intelligence, and and apparently a few other countries are are in on the act as well. Iran, for example. Right, and we learned it wasn't China involved. So yeah. you know these things are are not you know the mainstream media as they call them the bigger networks do cover these things. Even the scandal with Cuomo now, you know, that is a a Mm -hmm. big problem. If these people, no matter if they're Democrats or Republicans, they need to be weeded out because that is the core of our problem. Most of people who serve for this country or work for this country love this country. But there are people who are in it for themselves. And once the, the tables turn in their own direction, we have to be wary. That's why when Trump was first elected, he had came along with a lot of baggage. So he was he was scrutinized from the from every angle. And we don't have to do that today. As long as we have people that will I hear your music. Don't have people that yeah. uh, you know, that are for the right for America first um, policy, I think that is where we need to be. Yeah, I'm with you. Although I wouldn't use the phrase America first. That that was the old fascist slogan in the nineteen thirties. But I, I totally understand what you're saying, Michael, and I agree with it. Thank you. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This incel movement, by the way, I, I find this fascinating. We're not talking about people who are, you know, experiencing some sort of hormonal disorder or birth defect or just decide, you know, hey, I'm not going to have sex for the next year or, or ever or whatever. There's actually a movement of young men. They have message boards devoted to this. 
they had, uh, I don't know if they still exist, but they had Facebook closed groups devoted to this. And they are young men who consider their involuntary celibacy, which is what incel is short for, to be the result of women refusing to basically be available to them sexually. And it is, in my opinion, the, the entire incel movement, and they have claimed this, this, this is what they call themselves, as they're killing women. We have 44 dead women now who have been killed by men who called themselves incels. As that is happening, it's like, where did this come from? And does something like Donald Trump bragging about being a sexual abuser, basically a rapist, does that feed into it? Is, I mean, this seems like a relatively recent phenomenon. I don't know. Anyhow, I'll leave the speculation to you. Nicholas in San Cristobal, Mexico, you wanted to weigh in on the topic. The whole thing with Atlanta has me so outraged on so many levels. I just want to uh, underline all of your outrage and add a few things that I really think need to be thought through seriously fast in the country. It isn't just incels. They're just one of the newest iterations of the result of sexual repression by organized religion. I'll come right out and say it. Over so many years in the United States, starting all the way back with Puritanism, everyone's supposed to remain celibate until they're married. I mean, young people are not. The whole thing's absurd. Go back to poor young Matthew Shepard, hung to die on a barbed wire fence in Wyoming because he was gay, because some other teenagers had a problem with his choice of sexuality. Church-driven obsession with sex in the United States. I mean, God forbid a woman with bare breasts on a public beach. If you go to Europe, that's all you're going to see. You're going to be the odd woman out. You know, the whole thing is insane. I went to Europe first at age 18. I stayed in hostels. Showers were co-educational. Young girls and, and, and young men showering together. Nothing thought about it. You know? And, and they have a much lower rate totally of sex upset. crimes as a consequence of it because they don't have, you know, young people obsessing about, gee, I wonder what the other side looks like and all this kind of stuff. And then they go to pornography and they get this completely distorted view of how people should totally relate to each other sexually. Totally perverted view of sex. Totally perverted yeah. view of sex on Pornhub and all those other places. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I, and I very much call religion out on this. It's got to stop. The whole culture has become so obsessed with religion, and you and I know, and everyone else pretty much knows, the United States is the most religious, obsessed country of all you know, developed countries in the world. The evangelicals yep. have taken over to too great a degree. They've got to, they have got to be put back in, in their uh, whatever. You know, sex is for the bedroom, not for the church. You know, yeah. No sex allowed in yeah. church. And I want them out of everybody's lives. They have become a murderous influence murderous well it's, it's certainly causing death and, and i would say that the catholic church's position on abortion is also causing a lot of pain and hardship yes. across the country as well so, nicholas i got to move along but thank you you made your point very eloquently and it's always nice to hear from you and thanks for your help in our chat room over on youtube great to hear from you you're listening to tom hartman Welcome back, David in Burlington, North Carolina. Hey, Bert, hey David, what's on your mind? Uh, good, good, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Tom. Yeah, I was calling to confirm what you were talking about, what's going on down there. Uh, I, I had a, a driver was talking about that. I'm a truck driver, and about a couple years back, the driver was talking about uh, massage parlors, and then he got to talk about the certain places like you're talking about them with uh, the Asian women. At, and uh, he said there's a lot of extra stuff going on down there, like you were talking about. They do more than a massage. <laughs> yeah. 
Which, which raises yep. a whole other issue, David, which is why don't we mm-hmm. just legalize uh, prostitution like most European countries have uh, did long right. ago and, and license right. it right. and regulate it and provide health checks mm-hmm. and, and, and so that you've got an industry where people working in that industry, um, you know, male or female, are there because they want to be there as opposed to they, you know, they got dragged here from another country or something like that. I mean, you know, right. uh, I, I suppose it's a completely different argument, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you. David, thank you for the call. Francis in Seattle. Hey, Francis, what's up? Hi, I heard three or four men talking about how rape is associated with a lack of available partners and it's due to sexual desire. But I really this don't is think the incel is mythology. Yes, right, right. Rape is about power. It's more common in societies where they're at war. It happens more inside societies with greater income inequality. Um, so. I just wanted to get that in because all these people are saying it's about sexual desire. Yeah, or, or even take it a step further. Remember uh, Slobodan Milosevic and Radovan Karavic? Uh, Radovan Karavic was a psychiatrist, and he was the guy that Milosevic put in charge of the uh, of the camps of the Muslim uh, women that they had uh, during the during the Balkan War uh, that they had captured. I mean, hundreds of thousands of women, and Karavic decided that the best way to destroy their culture and society was to have Christian Serbian men come in and rape these women until they were impregnated. And they impregnated tens of thousands of women that way. It was an attempted genocide. Tell me that's about sex. That's not about sex. That's about power. And that's just like being done on an industrial scale. What, you know, I think that these power level things happen at the individual level, Francis. Uh, I don't know if you would agree or disagree with me on that. I would agree. And I want to put in a plug for people paying attention to your book club, because it was through your book club that I learned about the spirit level by Wilkinson and Pickett. Isn't that a brilliant book? It's a brilliant book, and it does go over how when there's a huge income inequality, all social problems get worse and infectious disease is more dangerous. So thank you very much for all the book clubs. You're welcome. They have a new book out, by the way. It came out last year, and it's... I don't remember the the title, so I don't want to give you a wrong title, but I'm sorry? I think it's the inner level. Yeah, the inner level. Sean just confirmed that. Yeah, thank you, Francis. Francis, i got to move on, but thank you very much. Lily in Sacramento. Hey, Lily, what's up? Oh, hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I would like to talk about how women are perceived in our society and the factors that influence that. I know that it's been going on for Ever. Actual history. Yeah, forever. And it's ingrained in our language. It's ingrained in our religion, our customs. And it colors how society perceives women in general. And until we can fix that and actually see women as actual human beings that deserve respect that aren't just baby machines, it's going to be perpetuated. And if you look actually in our media, there's so many shows out there that the women are perceived as victims. They're the ones that are murdered. What does that say about our society? Mm. Yeah, it speaks poorly of it, (laughs) you know, to say the very least. But your point is well taken, Lily. Very much well taken. Thank you very much. Kristen in Seattle. Hey, Kristen, what's up? Hi. I think religious celibates regard the discipline as a discipline of choice. Insults are involuntary celibates rejected by women. Mm -hmm. Their situation is that they can't get a date. Now, the hatred and the power and the manipulation that they bring to women and women's situations in massage parlors is really anger, mm-hmm. power, not anything to do with religion. Sorry about your previous caller, but it's just, I'm a minister, and there was mm-hmm. a time before I was married where I was celibate. It was an offering. It was difficult. It was a way to grow my character. But it was nothing that I considered making me angry. Yeah, that's apples and oranges. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I do understand people's hostility towards religion, but 
sexuality is not right now about celibacy. Yeah. Religion's sexual crime is about diversity. I'm Religion with you, Kristen. Of, Although there yeah. are some strange offshoots of some of our religions. Uh, I mean, you know, look at the organization that uh, Osama bin Laden was running, you know, and how they treat women. You know, you see this in Nigeria going on right now with uh, Boko Haram. Anyhow, Kristen, I got to run. Thank you. A couple of things that I just wanted to highlight for you. Uh, news-wise, and uh, then we can, you know, just get back to the many conversations we're having. By the way, Louise made a comment. I went down and said hi to her during the break, and and she said that, you know, some massage parlors may offer more than just a massage, but even the massage parlors that only offer a massage, which is the vast majority of them, at least from everything I understand, and, you know, we've known people who are masseuses, and it's just straight massage. I mean, it's an honorable business, right? Even there, you have some men who view that as sexual, you know, who are afraid to go to get a massage because they view it as sexual or they're afraid of getting aroused or whatever. So, so it's like there's a kind of layers of subtlety in this whole incel thing and now the, the slaughtering of women. I mean, 44 women killed by men who call themselves incels. It's amazing. And welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Okay, this last thing, this is outrageous. And, and, you know, the question that I would add to all the various things that we've been talking about today, including, you know, how do we deal with immigration? What, you know, if, if you were in charge of writing an immigration reform bill, where would you start? Should we continue to basically ignore employers and just go after people who are trying to get a job? Is that the way to do it? You know, the, which has been the policy of the United States since 1986, since, since Reagan changed that policy. And really, you know, it changed it law. What do we do about young men who are, who are murdering women because they are, you know, fill in the blank. I, you know, sexually frustrated is not, clearly not the right phrase, but I don't know what the right phrase is. There's something going on here that we're only beginning to develop the language for. But in many ways, it resembles something that's been going on for a long, long time, which is just good old-fashioned misogyny, hatred of women by men, or men who want to dominate women, or men who simply want to dominate someone, and society makes women an acceptable object of domination. I really believe that that's one of the things that you see in a lot of domestic violence, that these men are just bullies, and if they happen to be the boss in a workplace situation, they would be bullying their employees, but the only person that they have that they can bully is their wife or their children or both. So, you know, what do we do about that? How do we deal with that? How do we deal with that as a culture? Is this entirely an issue of religion? Or is this, does this go back to, you know, Queen Victoria? When I lived in Germany, uh, Louise and I lived in Germany for a year, along with our three kids, uh, 86, 87. And the local public pool, at least half the people wore no swimsuits at all, men, women, and children. The showers, I mean, we had a person call earlier saying, you know, the showers were co-ed. That, that was my experience, too, in Germany. I remember the first, <laughs> the first week we were there, we went out to, uh, to go shopping. We were on the, uh, it, it wasn't the Autobahn, but it was like, you know, what would be like a state route highway, you know, one of these 50-mile-an-hour roads that goes through the countryside. And there was a little pull-off, like it was a rest area, but it didn't have a building or anything. It was just a little pull-off with a, with a big stretch of grass. And I thought that was for where people would take and, and let their dogs run, right? And we're driving by, and here's this bus and, that has parked there. And there's like 30 men standing in a row with their pants unzipped, whizzing into the grass as we're driving by. And they're visible to the world. Louise had a guy come out and install a, a, a washing machine in our house when we lived in Germany. We didn't, you know, the house didn't have a washing machine. And Louise was in the house, and she looks out the front window, and here's this guy taking a leak in our front yard. And she, she, when he comes back in, she says, she's like, why'd you go out in the front yard? We've got a bathroom. And he's like, oh, I didn't want to, you know, bother you. I didn't want to uh, soil your bathroom. It was just like, you know, that's the culture. It's like, Naked doesn't, it's not a big deal. Well, here it's a big deal. And so you've got these young men who are just like all twisted up in knots about this stuff. 
I really think that we could learn something from the Europeans. And, and, and it just seems to be the Anglophile world. It seems to be the United States and, and, and Great Britain. Australia is not quite so badly affected. In fact, prostitution is legal in Australia, and, and you, know, you don't see quite that level of hysteria. But in the United States and the United Kingdom, well, I could speak better of the United States. I don't know about the UK, but you know, because I have noticed on some of the BritBox shows that they're showing breasts now. I, so maybe they're maybe they're loosening up. Anyhow, the last thing that I wanted to share with you is what twenty-one Republican state attorneys general are threatening to do. Here's the deal: in the American Rescue Plan, this this one point nine trillion dollar bill, there is three hundred and fifty billion dollars that ha- is going to the states. And the purpose of it is to make up for lost state revenue. You know, as the, as the economy dips, taxes being paid dip. And a lot of businesses are not paying taxes right now because they don't have any customers. And property taxes are going late and all kinds of stuff. And so there's 200, 350 billion bucks that's going to help them keep the police and the fire and the basic social services and, and all, you know, all those kind of things running. $350 billion. You've got 21 Republican-controlled states that want to take that money from the federal government and use it to give tax cuts to rich people in their states. Honest to God, I'm not making this up. And in anticipation of this, the Democrats who wrote the American Rescue Plan put in a proviso that says, you may not use this $350 billion to fund tax cuts for rich people in your state. And now there are 21 Republican state attorneys general who are threatening to take this to the Supreme Court. We're going to try to shut down the whole damn bill. They want to claw back the $1,400 that you've already gotten. They want to make sure you don't get your $350. I mean, every Republican voted against this in the House and the Senate, 100% of them. And now these 21 Republican attorneys general think that they've got the thing. They've got the magic bullet that's going to destroy the American Rescue Plan. And that is that it's unconstitutional to tell states that they can't do something with money the federal government gives them. And they may or may not have a point. I mean, it's possible that legally they're correct. I don't know. I think they're wrong. I know, you know, it is possible to put strings on money you give to the states. You know, federal highway funds, for example, have been used to, you know, as a, a, Jimmy Carter told states, if you don't slow down to 55 miles an hour as your speed limit, this was back during the, during the gas crisis, if you don't slow, or maybe it was Richard Nixon, if you don't slow down, you're not going to get your federal highway funds. And even states like Nevada, who, you know, famously, no speed limit on this big long, they did it. But here we've got 21 state attorneys general, Republican attorneys general, saying that money intended for cops, firefighters, and essential employees, no, no, it should be used for tax cuts for rich people. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. And if we don't get our way, they're saying, we're going to punish everybody. It's the Republican way, you know. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
Tom Hartman here with you, and uh, boy, we've covered a lot of territory. Uh, pick up some of your phone calls here. Carol in Newport. Hey, Carol, what's up? Hi, Tom. I wanted to comment on your question about the source of the recent violence against women and the incel movement, and I wanted to argue that it is not a product of sexual repression, but there's a type of online pornography that's widely available and promoted that at best creates unrealistic expectations and pressures for women to be hot and not really human and then um, but worse that promotes dehumanization and violence against women and this is not the same as 30 years ago looking at your dad's playboy magazine it's uh, mm-hmm. promotes an unhealthy relationship to women and I think it's another example of the destructive nature of our clickbait economy that it's, you know, just doesn't care about how bringing out the best in people. It draws people to their worst nature. And so that's my comment. Yeah, I think you're right, Carol. Nicholas Kristof, uh, about a month ago, it seems, in the New York Times kind of blew the lid off Pornhub's taking, quote, amateur porn videos that involved underage children. And yeah. they kind of cleaned that up. But in, the, in reading the article, in, in Christoph's article, he was citing some pretty good, you know, well, well-sourced statistics. And I don't recall the numbers off the top of my head, so I'm not going to try to do so. But a really substantial, if not a majority, a very large minority of the most popular of the videos on that website were not the underage kids. They were basically violent, you know, uh, videos that were violent toward women and or depicted violence towards women sex in a violent context i I guess you could say or maybe the other way around violence in a sexual context and that's that's fed by these you know these intel chat groups and i mean i just think these people who are Mm -hmm. going through what would be normal sexual development and you know questioning and maybe some darkness are just stuck in this world that is you know because of, of the clickbait funding of all these sites just draws them to the worst possible place and doesn't allow them to actually relate to real women. I agree. And I don't want to sound like Tipper Gore here, but I really do think that there there was a proposal a couple of years ago to create a .xxx domain, you know, a a primary domain, and just move all the porn into that and then have the default on, you know, by law, require the default on all browsers to be that uh, you have to enable the browser to see the triple X domain. You know, the default is it's not available to you. And in order to enable that, you have to like put in a credit card or do something else that a child typically would not have access to. Although, you know, teenage boys will figure out pretty much anything. And that's, that was probably why. And it's not just teenagers either. I mean, I I feel like it's parallel to, any kind of extremism online, it's just a different form of radicalization mm-hmm. and it's radical misogyny. And so the, it's a bigger question about these sites just being responsible for being moral actors in our society, you know, and, and, and if it's, you know, racism or, or misogyny or radical, you know, whatever religion, um, it's the, the problem is the mechanism of the funding for these sites that just drive people to extremes, in my opinion. Yeah, Yeah, I completely agree with you. And and I'm very concerned about, you know, I remember being seven and 10 years old and whatnot. And I'm very concerned about young kids, boys and girls for that matter, seeing this particular type of porn. I'm with you, you know, looking at a Playboy magazine, you're just looking at a naked body, or at least that used to be the case. Maybe they're showing intercourse now, I'm not sure. but, But even if they are, they're probably not doing it in the context of violence. But right, um, right. this stuff is weird. I mean, there's there's weird yeah. stuff out there that children should not have access to. Carol, thank you. Thank you for the call. Diana in Preston, Idaho. Hey, Diana, what's up? Hi, Tom. I called to talk about, you know, the sexual thing. Cultural mm-hmm. anthropologists have proven it's only in sexually repressed societies that there are sexual deviation. Most of these people who think they are celibate are not true celibate. When you tell someone to repress sexual energy, which is a very strong energy, and you don't know how to teach them how to direct that energy constructively, all they think about is sex, and it becomes obsessive, and that's why so many of your priests are sexual abusers and perverts. All they think about is sex, and it drives them crazy. 
there are techniques that are very ancient for redirecting the energy until the time comes that you want to use it sexually. But these techniques have been lost through time or were so watered down that they didn't work. You're talking about Kriya Yoga and things like that? Not Kriya Yoga. Some of the advanced yogis know these techniques. Mm. And your, RO, your true Ayurvedic doctors use these techniques. But they're always yeah. advised not to use these techniques until they have had a family and raised children, you know, had ch- got married, had children, and gone through the whole experience of, you know, using yeah. their sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom line here, Diana, is that there, you know, we, we have a couple of primary drives that are wired into us. These are not cultural. These are in our DNA. In fact, it's part of our metabolism. It's how our body stays alive. You know, the need to eat, the need to sleep, the need to breathe and the need to procreate. Without procreation, there is no human race. Every animal is driven to procreate. Even when you look, I mean, we, you know, we live on the water here and, and when you watch ducks going at it, it, you know, it looks like, you know, <laughs> the female duck is going to get drowned. Or if you've ever heard cats going at it, I mean, you know, it sounds like, oh my God, that's got to be painful. But hey, it's, it's maintaining the species. And it's like so core to us that it, it has far more power than our ability to think our way out of these things. Diana, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Audrey in uh, L.A. Hey, Audrey, what's up? Well, I had read a number of things about these incels. I was following the discussion over the course of the morning, and I've read over the months a number of things about these folks, and what really struck me from article to article, and I can't remember where exactly I read it, but I tend to read things like the the New York Times, the New Yorker, you know, legitimate Mm. sites. And and what really struck me was that these folks, or at least some subset of them, seem to believe that women should not have autonomy over their bodies, that in fact men should have the right to use women as they wish. And some are even demanding legislation that women should be required to service them. Oh, my God. I mean, they're not getting anywhere, but I have read about it. No, I, I remember the last time there was an incel who killed a woman, and this was, what, uh, maybe two years ago, a real high-profile case, and, and, and we talked about it on this program. And at the time, there were, there were publications, The Times and whatnot, who were, who were you know, delving into this guy's online writings, and he was saying just that. You know, the, that, you know, how dare these, these and he was a, a, a high school kid, and he was like, how dare these girls, you know, withhold themselves from me and, and, uh, and reject me, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and it was, you know, they were trying to sort out how much of this is just like dating rejection versus how much of it has to do with sex or whatever. But I think that the core of it is exactly what you identified, Audrey. It's a sense of privilege. It's entitlement. It's, it's white privilege. It's, a, it's the male version of white privilege. It is astonishing to me how lowly we hold women in this society. I, you know, as a woman and a mother of daughters, and every time they argue against the Violence of Women Act, against Women Act, I think, do you have mothers? Do you have wives and daughters? Come on. Exactly. And why is this the official position of the Republican Party, that there shouldn't be an Equal Rights Amendment and there shouldn't be a Violence Against Women Act? I mean, how did that become political? What kind of crazy crap is that? Audrey, thank you for the call. Spot on. Beverly in Edmonds, Washington. Hey, Beverly, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Yes, I'm a massage therapist for over 30 years. And just I would like to suggest for your consideration to uh, use the term recreational sex or recreational sex parlor and avoid the term massage parlor if you could it doesn't do our Mm. profession any uh, service we like to be called we ask that we be called massage therapists and uh, when the word masseuse is used which you used it for the sex parlor i know um Mm. we try to avoid that word because it has been associated with 
sex parlors or whatever. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Well, you know, one of my kids went through a whole program to learn to become a, she, she was licensed as a massage therapist in all 50 states and made a pretty good living doing that for a couple of years. And she's now a physician's assistant. I mean, she's now, you know, she went back to college and got her postgraduate degree and, and she's working in a hospital and all this kind of stuff. And, and it, it, it's all straight legitimate medicine and really important stuff. And, and uh, you know, I broke my back when I was 19 years old skydiving. I've been getting massages my entire life as therapy. And uh, I have great respect for your profession. The problem is that when you look at the pictures of the places where these women were killed, the word massage is in huge letters, and it's hard to avoid that. And uh. they don't call them recreational sex places, and the police don't call them that. And so, you know, for, for me to use a phrase that doesn't actually connect to any of these news stories, I think could cause confusion, if nothing else. But I think I've made it clear that, you know, uh, there are some hinky places that call themselves massage parlors, and the vast majority of the industry is just doing the right thing. They're, they're doing, you know, professional mm -hmm. massage. Right. Okay. I so, hear your point. You know, one of my I, nieces right now is a masseuse as well. Yeah. A tough one, you know, to, yeah. to be sitting on this side and, and trying to, yeah, to, trying to report on news, you know, try to layer it with commentary. And, and I realize the struggle that your profession has in terms of, and, and, you know, and it's a problem that I've known, like I said, I've been getting massages since I was in my twenties, just whenever my back goes out, that's that, that and chiropractic have kept me alive. And, mm -hmm. and I've had numerous massage therapists tell me horror stories over the years about men coming in and hitting on them and expecting things of them and stuff like that. And it's, it's just like, you know, it's a shame. And, and, it's one of, and, yeah. and, and by the way, the year that I lived in Germany, I got a massage every week at the massage place down the street that was just total straight massage. And there was a place of prostitution farther down the street. And every, nobody made a mistake about which one was which. So I think that we really need to consider that too, although I realize that's very controversial, you know, whether we should legalize or decriminalize prostitution in the United States. But, but because we haven't, we've got this horrible overlap. Beverly, your right. point is really well made. And thank you very much. Uli in Teaneck, New Jersey, says you want to correct something I said about Germany. I know you're German. I'm not. I just lived there for a year. Uh, what did I say wrong? Well, yeah, I'm German. So um, I must tell you that it is not a cultural thing for people to uh, urinate on somebody's lawn. It may happen, but that's not a cultural thing. Oh, okay. Uh, so the guy who installed Louise's washing machine was, uh, he probably didn't think anybody was watching. That I mean, our house happen, was kind of out of the country. It's not a cultural thing that people urinate on somebody's lawn. Um, okay, the other right, thank thing you. is about going to the local pool that half of the people go there nude. That's also, I must correct you, I don't think that's true either. That was true in Stadtsteinach. I was there in Where 1987. Uh, it's in the Frankenwald near, uh, near Kulmbach. So maybe, maybe it was a special pool, but uh, in general, I mean, you know, I've been to many pools, especially when I was a kid and growing up, and even now when I go back, uh, you don't see people... Mm -hmm. In the nude, uh, there may be some people there undress themselves and get put their bathing suit on, or maybe maybe sunbaths right. or some time, but to go in the pool in the nude, uh, I've never seen it, and I don't think that's correct. Oh, okay. But maybe it's a special pool where it's allowed, but in general, no. Okay. Might be a regional thing. I mean, this is uh, just north of Bavaria, but uh, Bavaria is very conservative, but this is the, the northern. Uh, I grew up the, in the, the north. Fall. Okay. I grew up in northern Germany, uh, and you know the other thing about nudity um, on television now. It used to be you would only see women in the nude, but now in movies you will see both men and women mm -hmm. making love. I mean, you will see it, so it's it's pretty open in that sense. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And there's you know some of these uh, uh, you know the Game of Thrones kind of thing, and you know it, 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 in fact it. For me, you know, it's a little over the top sometimes. Uli, thank you. Thanks for correcting the, the record there. I appreciate it. Charles in Portland. Hey, Charles, what's up? I wanted to talk about the incel thing in kind of relation to something I, I was lucky enough to get into you last week and uh, said there's no good, there's no bad, there's self-interest. And I think this is kind of the, the perversion of it. Once you have a a culture that only emphasizes self-interest, you end up commoditizing other people for what they can do for you. And 
Mm. You know, the incel thing, they take a very real human need for sex, but if you're only looking at it from self-interest, you're not learning how to relate to other people and get the sex you want to form the... Uh, so it's like, this is like sex on libertarianism. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's the fundamental <laughs> that people are only valuable for what they can do for you and that you have no obligation right. to anybody else to reciprocate yeah. in any in any way. And it's it's economic. No, it's I totally get it. I, to- I totally get it. I think you said it very well, Charles. I want to get a couple more calls in here. I'm right up against the end okay. of the hour. But thank you. Well said. George in Palm Desert, California. Hey, George, what's up? Back in 1971, I was in graduate school and <clears throat> we had a class about the Commission on Obscenity and Pornography that was done by Nixon oh, and Edward Ed Meese. Yes. And, and Ed uh, Meese watched 300 hours of porn and then came out and said, it damages people. Bottom line is, this was a graduate course, and the Commission found that not only was pornography didn't cause people to rape and do bad things. It actually was very therapeutic. So I just wanted to make sure, I, I think you had a couple of callers that were saying how how pornography is so bad and, and causes people mm-hmm. to kind of go in the wrong direction. I must object to that because it is the direct opposite. And also there's a movie, of course, Inside Deep Throat, where they were taking these deep throat actors and going to put them in prison for 25 years. So there is some therapeutic benefits to pornography, and I guess that's all I wanted to say. I, I believe that's entirely possible, George. And, and But I would say that the porn that was happening back in the 70s when it was behind the green door and, and, and deep throat and, and the, you know, the Supreme Court justices were watching it, is a whole order of magnitude different than a lot of the stuff that is on the internet right now. But I get your point, and I don't dispute it at all. I did always think that it was weird that Ed Meese had to watch 300 hours of pornography. It's, you know, tough work. George, thank you for the call. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get involved, get active, join your local Democratic Party. Join. There's all kinds of great groups from, you know, My Revolution to Indivisible um, that you can also participate in, Black Lives Matter and others. Show up. Tag, you're it. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 